Aria. Yes. Great weather we're having lately, isn't it? Oh yeah. Like extremely unpredictable, very cold, but then very hot. Left my house with two sweaters, came back in a t-shirt kind of weather. Yeah. Or left, or left your house with one jacket on and you needed three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just freezing and stumbling your way home. And that's how your day goes. And that's not just because we live in Texas. Of course not. It's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. The weather is wacky wherever you go. And we're going to talk about how people attempt to predict it as best as they can. Welcome to The Unfinished Mind. I'm Aria. And I'm Ren. And today we're going to be talking about the weather. What's the weather? How's the weather? It's a very common question that people do ask. Oh yeah, for sure. That's just like a conversation starter. Right. You always hear like small talk, people going around. Mm -hmm. What's it? Yeah, small talk. That's the the right term for it just like discussions about the weather. Like we all know what the weather is. None of us could care less, but it's an easy jumping off point for any sort of conversation. Exactly. Just how we started this little episode of ours. Yeah, really. But you know, how did people or how was weather predicted in the past? You know, there were different cultural methods, but let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. So traditional methods of predicting weather often draw on many observations of animals, plants, and patterns in the environment. Farmers in the Ilocos Norte province in the Philippines rely on traditional knowledge, such as their observations of the atmosphere, astronomy, plants, and animal behaviors. This knowledge is used towards determining the timing of rainy periods and preparing for disasters and agroforestry. Dang. Uh, Makes sense. In Babylon, some tried to predict weather changes by observing the formation of clouds and other indications of weather. And in ancient cultures, people often looked at the moon to predict the weather as well as different weather formations. So, for example, dark clouds would indicate bad weather, obviously. I mean, I feel like that's just a conclusion. We do that now. Yeah. The behavior of animals also gave some indication of the weather, as animals will get scared because they can feel the vibrations of an earthquake, for example, before humans can. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. You know, they got finely tuned ear machinery that we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have. And I'm pretty sure they can hear, I mean, like like you said, different frequencies. Dogs hear different frequencies Mm -hmm. than us. That's why you can spook them with a dog whistle. Right. And we can't hear that. But yes. And just simply have different ways of viewing the world. It makes mm-hmm. sense that they would be more in tune with that kind of thing because, it, you know, their survival hinges upon it. So Aristotle also wrote a treatise on how to predict the weather and the formation of weather in general, from rain to thunderstorms to hurricanes. Of course, like all of Aristotle's work, it is both startlingly correct and incorrect. <laughs> Nicholas Cuss invented the hygrometer, a tool that could measure the humidity of the air in the 15th century. And Galileo invented one of the first known thermometers in the 16th century. Evangelista Torricelli invented the barometer, which is still used today to measure the pressure of the atmosphere in the 17th century. I feel like if there's anyone Italian listening to this right now, they're either going to, one, berate you for your pronunciation or be like, that was beautiful. (laughs) It was bad. So they will berate me. But I, my... (laughs) Listen, my physics teacher says it like that, and now I can't not, because it's funny. 
<laughs> I could say it again. <laughs> so those are just a few of the tools we've already invented uh, by the 17th century to to measure the weather and to try to understand what is going on in the skies. You know, I mean, it's pretty important to your day to day life to know what temperatures are going to be outside. What what kind of clothes should I be wearing? Is there going to be a hurricane tomorrow? These are all pretty important measurements for us to take as human beings. Right. So it's it's fascinating that by the 17th century, we already had so many tools to start gathering that kind mm -hmm. of data. Basics basics of physics my guy mm -hmm. that's that's what a barometer does but we live in the modern world today we have so many machines that work for us and we can use them to predict the weather and so weather forecasting is basically the application of current technology and science to predict the state of the atmosphere for a future time in a given location mm -hmm. of course when we say weather forecasting it's really only detecting the weather not the climate let's distinguish between those two terms weather is what is going on right now like what, what is it literally what is it like like outside right now in mm -hmm. the atmosphere air pocket directly above you so essentially weather is a point in time what is the weather looking like in a at a point in time climate however is a pattern what is a pattern that we usually see it gets cold in the winter it gets hot in the summer that's a climate mm -hmm. or say if you're in the amazon rainforest your climate isn't going to be changing much because you're near the equator so your climate would be rainy humid warm all the time and but that is your climate and basically you can't use weather forecasting to predict the climate. You can only really add to the pattern that you're seeing. Yeah, or, you know, predict what is going to come next for your specific geographical location. Yep. And then compare it to what has been done in the past. And as we know from watching the weekly news or whatever, that prediction only goes out to about a week. Right. <laughs> about a week of predictive power we have. So basically weather forecasts are made by collecting as much data as possible about the current state of the atmosphere particularly the temperature humidity and wind and using understanding of atmospheric processes through meteorology to determine how the atmosphere evolves in the future not surprisingly the chaotic nature of the atmosphere and incomplete understanding of the processes means that forecasts become less accurate as the range of the forecast increases so as time as your time from your current weather increases say like you're comparing one week to two weeks mm -hmm. your weather forecast for two weeks is going to be a little bit more inaccurate more uncertain than your weekly forecast certainly now of course there's like big things that we can easily predict several weeks in the future like you see tropical storms you know, right. coming, we can see hurricanes coming now, which is neat. Um, and we'll get into that. But anyways, carry on. But basically, how we, you know, what data are we collecting? So traditional observations are made at, for example, the surface of atmospheric pressure, temperature, wind speed, wind direction, humidity, precipitation. All of these are collected routinely by trained observers and automatic weather stations or buoys in the sea. We love our little buoys. They work very hard. And during the data assimilation process, information gained from the observers is used in conjunction with a numerical model's most recent forecast for that time 
And those observations are made to produce the meteorological analysis, which you're putting basically what a computer is saying, okay, based on these patterns, this is what I predict. And then you're putting in the real time data and you're like, okay, if I combine these, what is the prediction going to be? Slightly sunny with a chance of rain in the mid afternoon. Or slightly cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Okay, it was good. I was, I, yeah, I left a long pregnant pause there because I didn't want to acknowledge it, but it, it, it was okay. It was an okay joke. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. So essentially, numerical weather prediction models are computer simulations of the atmosphere. They take the analysis as the starting point and evolve the state of the atmosphere forward in time using understanding of physics and fluid dynamics. So combining all of the science information, the complicated equations which govern how the state of a fluid changes with time requires supercomputers to solve them. You need supercomputers to take all of those physics equations into account so you can get like a single number or like a small amount of predictions from them but you need supercomputers for it which makes sense which because makes- i mean i've only dipped my toe into fluid mechanics <laughs> but i already know that this human meat brain could not possibly Mm-mm. comprehend nope. uh, the predictive sort of mechanisms necessary <laughs> to understand it's incredible fluid mechanics engineers we love you <laughs> that we do So here's some fast facts about weather forecasting. Getting the forecast wrong is called a bust. So when the predictions are incorrect, we, you know, messed up. It's a bust. Call it a bust. Kind of like the stock market. Models can be wrong. A perfect example of this is Hurricane Joaquin, a powerful storm that developed in the Atlantic Ocean in 2015. All of the models showed that Joaquin would be hitting the United States Um, but they were wrong. And Joaquin actually raced out to sea and hit Bermuda instead. The weather models had a hard time figuring out a complicated weather pattern north of the hurricane that affected its future path. And since they didn't figure it out, they didn't get the track of the storm right. Human error and random chance have a significant impact on weather forecasting. Since there's a decent amount of instinct and judgment that goes into forecasting it is not unusual for a meteorologist to get one wrong and of course this can have extremely detrimental consequences to the mm-hmm. people who have to face the results of these storms oh yeah i mean if we're talking about hurricanes i think if we were to talk about something a little bit more intimate i guess to texas hurricane harvey sure. happened in 2017 and it affected a lot of kids like me who went to school in the houston area mm-hmm so that was huge and that also led to a lot of damages because you know first of all physical damage second like you're delaying people from doing their thing which can lead to economy problems stuff like that not great if a hurricane hit a crop heavy region that's not great either because food supply goes down and it's the people who can't afford to go through something like that that are affected right the severe cultural reset that bad weather can cause is like we could we could list detriments of weather problems for Mm -hmm. hours i imagine and we wouldn't even cover everything of course but 
it, that that's just why it's so important that we have better weather forecasting technology. So like these busts that we're talking about when we mess up the weather, they have real impacts, like real serious impacts. And, you know, it's, it's super important that we constantly hone this craft. I think, I think people discredit the meteorologists on the news. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, that's just, you know, some guy with, you know, no hair who tells me what the weather is going to be from time to time. But in, in truth, it's like super wicked important. And we mm-hmm. should we should definitely have respect for that. And speaking of like the guy you see on the news predicting the weather, the media also affects how we perceive the forecast in general. So the race for clicks and ratings causes some sources to exaggerate the effects of certain storms. And the bigger and meaner a storm, the more play it gets and the more media attention it gets, and that can lead people to believe something is worse than it actually is going to be, which is also problematic. Yeah. It's it's definitely not great to think that, you know, you get college canceled for a few days and nothing happens. Right. So, yeah, the amount of times at this point living in in Texas where we're very ill-equipped for cold weather and ice and and snow of any kind or even rain. Like there were times (laughs) as a child where it would rain a little and they were like, school is canceled. Everything is canceled. It is raining Mm -hmm. and we do not have the infrastructure to deal with that. Well, we're talking about we're talking about people predicting the weather, of course. But like I mentioned before, animals. They can, they know what's going to happen. They do. And they're really, they're actually really good at it. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. If you see birds moving in a certain direction, or if you see cattle sitting down, they're all significant. Animals movements are very important. And it has often been said that animals are able to predict the weather, but a more accurate statement would be that animals have a heightened sense of detecting environmental signals when the weather changes. So examples of animal behaviors in response to changes in weather would be anecdotal evidence from farmers that suggests that cows tend to eat a lot more feed before cold weather in order to put on weight and keep them warm in low temperatures. Me me too, cows. Right. And cows, cows are also said to lay on the grass to save a dry spot before it rains where laying down means it's about to storm and standing up means clear weather. A study found that cows tended to stand up in hot weather and preferred to lay down in cool weather and when a storm was on the way. Interesting. So keep your eyes on the cows. They're they're important. They know what's up. They know what's going on. During a tropical storm in 2007, researchers tracked shark movements and found that after the barometric air and hydrostatic water pressures dropped, Sharks swam deeper down where they would be more protected from the storm. So they could literally feel it coming. Yeah. I love sharks. That's so cool. Similarly, birds and bees sense drops in barometric pressure, which influences them to hide in nests and hives, as well as determine whether it is safe for them to migrate or not. The birds and the bees. The birds and the bees, yep. Groundhog Day. That's a pretty popular American tradition. I would say so. A notorious example of of animals predicting the weather, where the arrival of spring or prolonging of winter will be determined by whether or not the groundhog sees its shadow. Although this holiday is still celebrated in Canada and the U.S., research has actually found that groundhogs are not very good at predicting the weather, and their information is inaccurate. Yeah. 
I definitely can't remember a time in my history where the groundhog has correctly predicted something. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's not on the ground. That's actually a talent. Yeah. To like every single time not be able to predict. I feel like I've, I've there's been a point like in elementary school, especially where I would like groundhog day would happen. And then a few weeks later, I'd be like, what'd that hog say? Like, what did the hog say? Because <laughs> I think the hog was like, it's still cold. It's cold <laughs> right now. So I think the hog was wrong. And people would be like, well, the groundhog said it would end early. And I'm like, well, it clearly is not ending early. It's not ending early. And I am freezing. I'm seven. I'm cold. So the groundhog was wrong. And, you know, I've just, I, I, I understand that the research would found this method to be inaccurate because um, I, I, my own personal research has found the method to be inaccurate. So we've talked a lot about animals and how watching animals can help us predict the weather. Right. But of course, there's probably other ways, you know, that we can think of to predict right. the weather. You know, we've done an episode on these before. Oh, uh, yeah. But superstitions about weather prediction. So how people can smell rain or have achy joints. Many superstitions about the weather have their origin in farms due to the importance of the weather to a year's harvest. Most of these superstitions obviously have not been proved. They are superstitions for a reason. That's the name. <laughs> so, for example, pink clouds in the west in the evening indicate rain. By killing a goose in the fall and looking at the thickness of its breastbone, you can predict how bad the winter will be. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And another one I've heard is that red skies in the morning indicate that it's going to be a really windy and rough day on the sea if you're a pirate. Oh. Not just a pirate, but really any person who sails. Yeah. They say like a red sky in the morning is, it's going to be a rough sea day. So be careful. Mm. See, yeah. all superstitions. All superstitions. I think that one's true to some degree, as far as I'm aware. I have very limited sailing knowledge, but I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. But it is still a superstition. Yeah. But some of these superstitions do actually have basis in science. So, for example, pe people feeling that rain or bad weather hurts their joints, like they can literally feel it in their bones, that could be true because the barometric pressure associated with rain or impending cold weather or storm may cause swelling in the joints and, and inflame. Like people with arthritis really feel it when it's getting rainy. They can literally predict it. And there's another one that has some scientific merit, and that is that pine cones can predict the weather. They do respond to weather conditions. Pine cones hold seeds, and when the pine cone opens, we know that the weather is going to be dry because dry weather is optimal for seed dispersal. So mm. they only open up when it's dry out there. Although we may not be able to predict it 100% perfectly yet, we've come a long way in understanding how the weather works and how to uh, expect the unexpected when it comes to True. the weather and the way that the skies shine. What basically what we're trying to tell you is that it's rough predicting it. So give give the meteorologists some slack. Yeah, cut them some slack. Give them a hand because the fact that we can predict weather at all, mm -hmm. like there was a time when we were entirely dependent on um, hope. Like just hoping yep. that the weather wouldn't be terrible because if it was terrible, our ships would be crashed. Our mm -hmm. harvests would be absolute garbage. We'd have no food that year. It'd be a famine or there would be a devastating 
storm, hurricane, typhoon, tsunami, something that would literally destroy entire cities. And now we have some way to escape that. Like it's it's really quite impressive that human human nature has has or really human development has led us to this point where we can accurately predict a lot of these phenomena. Mm -hmm. It's life-saving. And that's just us humans being the best that we can be. Inventing, adapting, overcoming. It's what we do best. Shout out Homo sapiens sapiens. Good for us. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like how you said Homo sapiens sapiens just to specify what human race we were. I mean, that's the technical name. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that's genus and species, baby. Okay, anyways. But yeah, that was this week's episode on the unfinished mind weather predictions the weather join us next week where we will be talking about something very scientific mainstream even you might say mainstream media that's for you all to put together but thank you for joining us this week i'm aria and i've been ren and i hope y'all have a wonderful wonderful weekend and week whatever time you're listening to this episode. Indeed. The Unfinished Mind is brought to you by the Polymathic Scholars. Our script writers this week were Akshi Funth, Ariane Austria, Liz Kinnerk, and Ria Gogia. Sound designed by Jensen Richardson and Amaris Mendoza. Produced by Natalie Lim and Sai Chiruvu. Our publicist is Claire Nevins. Hosted by Arya Bakre and Ren Smith. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow your curiosity.